come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and germs, to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. Every Saturday happens right here on your internet radio device. My name is Colin. I'm surrounded by the internet radio superstars. This is Brent. Jenny. Travers. And as always, you can reach out to us on Definitely. Facebook, facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. If you've got anything to say, stop by and tell us how we're doing. Or go on iTunes, give us a rating. It hey, with you the, got something to say? <laughs> or Twitter at satfreakshow.com or at satfreakshow. So tonight it was my pick and I chose 1990s William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, Exorcist 3, 3, written and directed by William, William Blatty. Peter Blatty. <laughs> Did he direct the original? No, he wrote the original. So William Peter Blatty, he wrote the novel, The Exorcist, wrote the screenplay for the movie, and then wrote the novel Legion, which was the follow-up, which is what this was based on. And he had nothing to do with part two? No, not part two or uh, the fourth one. uh, The two versions they did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which were awful. So this is but the original, his sequel to The Exorcist. And the first Exorcist, that was supposedly based on a true story. The first Exorcist. Well, there was, was, supposedly a, based on there a, was like a newspaper right? story or something that he read that he then, I mean, it's oh, a so very just fictionalized. Wrote, very, you know, okay. Yeah, inspired I didn't know by, if it was supposed to be like one of those like Jay Anson Amityville no. things where he's just like, I was there. I wrote The Exorcist based on what I saw. Yeah. No, it was just he made it up. <laughs> Did you get like what the connection was to the first movie? Did they sufficiently explain it? It's mostly in that, that scene between uh, Kinderman and the, the priest where he's like, what's the connection between these people? And then they basically lay out the plot from the, or what happened in The Exorcist. I didn't get it. Oh. I didn't it's, feel like it was like necessary watching it. I, right, yeah. I mean, you can still watch this as its own thing. But I thought right, it was right? the only thing that made it dramatic, is that these are the guys that were in the room with supposedly Satan. Yeah, well, and, only, only and Father small Karen. little Regan. Well, wasn't the cop? The co- I thought no. the cop was there, just the no. father. He... The cop, I think, comes running into the room. If I remember The Exorcist correctly, like he runs into the room at the end. Yeah, because yeah, he mentions how he sees the father down at the bottom of the yeah. stairs, breathing his last breaths and whatnot. Oh, that's why they're now they're friends and they go to dinner and movies together. Well, they witness. They become. Well, he becomes friends, friends because- with the the like because they had Father Karras was a shared friend between them. Oh, so Father Karras being dead. Oh, right. Okay. They both think that they're. Like they they each think that they're depressed on that day, so they try like they, they try to cheer each other de- up. But they oh. don't. they know like, the devil's real. Like, they both uh, found out the devil exists. Well, see, I don't, but day. I think that's yeah. the point of the movie. They, they don't because the father says he's trying to cheer up the cop, and then the cops like, no, I spend this day cheering up the father. Like they don't really talk about it, but they right, yeah. right, yeah. What are you talking about? The detective is like, from the beginning of this movie, he's already super disturbed from what happened 15 years ago. Yeah, they know the devil exists. No, they don't know the devil exists. They just, because he's like, he's always, well, I mean, I guess he's. This face looks like the, this the, the whole detective. movie. The he's, lieutenant? Yeah. George C. Scott. He's, because I think that's the character arc. All right, I'm going to lay it out for you. The character arc of this movie, at the beginning of it, he's sitting in the bar or whatever, the restaurant with Father Dyer, and he's like, you know. 
You know, I mean, the way that he's talking is this guy is an atheist, right? He sees shit all the time. He's really? a cop. He sees all this crap, and he's like, oh, and your God goes dancing through the universe like a cosmic Billy Burke, you know? That'll all work out, Bill. When? At the end of time. Oh, that soon. I mean, that's got some great fucking writing in it, too. Yeah. But. So he's an atheist, and he doesn't believe. And the whole point of this is, of the devil's point, is specifically talking, I think, to Detective Kinderman, because it's trying to put in place a psychological and metaphysical impossibility so he will have to believe in the devil. Because that's his whole thing. Is like, have I helped your unbelief? You know, and at the end, he's got him pinned up against the wall. And he's like, I believe in this and that, and, that, and I believe in you. Oh, okay, I guess so, right? Yeah. <laughs> so at that saying, point, the devil kind of wins. That actually does kind of disturb me, though, because I've actually thought about that concept a lot. Not necessarily of this movie, but the concept of the people love God or fear the devil. You know, like, which of the faith are you really a part of? <laughs> you know, yeah. if you fear the devil, that makes you more of a believer of the devil than it does a lover of God. But if, you know, whatever, vice versa. Well, I suppose if one exists, right, then if the, if the devil exists, then, well, then God has to exist as well. <laughs> you right. know, you have to have that. So it's like, well, if I'm afraid of this, then you can hitch your wagon to the other team. Well, I got to tell you, I thought this movie... It seemed directed by a novelist. Like, I mean, just... Man, this guy had some fucking very interesting, uh, weird cuts and very, uh... Just weird dialogue. I thought the dialogue was... I mean, I thought the dialogue was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's but, witty. But I could see... Oh, I mean, I don't know if it is... It was, oh, God, that whole thing with the carp, like, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. But that was a, that was a novel book. That was a novel dialogue scene, Yeah, but what's right? wrong? Why can't the, we have it? That, no, 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 no. It was good, but what was bad to me was the kind of like the odd coupleness of him and the priest in the hospital scene where... As soon as someone says something, they got to cut in really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It was just like, "Eh, what is this? This is Gal Friday? You know, I was just like, eh. Well, it's, I guess it feels like, I mean, yeah, like, like a novelist or like a playwright would write, you know, dialogue. It tries to be very playwright, which for a 1990 movie is kind of out of time, right? The movie doesn't look the way it's acted in a weird way. If you get what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Because like I said, like the odd couple, you would expect this type of dialogue to be coming out of more of a... It's a 60s-era dialogue, right? Well, yeah. It's a 60s playwright. Well, yeah, I like, would agree that, like, even in the way that he directs is, like, old-fashioned. That There's a couple moments that, like, throw me, and one of them is when uh, Bedelia from Creepshow does the... and falls away from the camera into that, and I'm like, <laughs> that's the way that an older That was fucking older Bedelia? Guy, yeah. Oh, my shit, <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotta I talk about the videos, all the candy. Yeah, who calls me? There's yeah. so many. Obviously, yeah. right? So many. I had no idea that was Bedelia from Creep Show. Yeah. Oh, God. Samuel Jackson's in this movie. Yeah, you Patrick Ewing is a fucking angel. In he's the movie. angel of death. He's got the black wings. Oh, that's why he's mm-hmm. sitting there with uh, uh, his buddy Dyer, yeah. that just dies. Like, he didn't, yeah. he like foresaw his priest buddy's death in the hospital. Well, I love seeing, like, I mean, some of them, like, C. Everett Coop, who was the uh, Surgeon General at the time, is in the restaurant, and Larry King's at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I mean, it takes place in Georgetown, Washington, right? I mean, right, like, yeah. these, this is where they would hang out. So it's like, okay. And then you've got Sam Jackson before he was Sam Jackson. Uh, Those Fabio. guys probably just wanted to be in Satanist movies. Fabio? <laughs> yeah, Fabio's Fabio, an angel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fabio. Where was he? Was, yeah. was he was an angel. angel. It's oh. a funny scene because uh, it's, uh, you know, like Kinderman's a- having a, a dream, 
and he sees heaven, or it's like the waiting room. It's like to limbo, yeah. Yeah, right? it's the transition between Earth and heaven. It's like where a train they're, they're in Grand Central Station or something, and everybody's like waiting, and you can hear the speaker talking about like the next train to the afterlife is leaving it, you know. And he's wandering through there and seeing all these souls and angels like hanging out, listening to big band music. Yeah, yeah, and there's angels playing that big. That's that's my heaven. That's my heaven. Yeah, (laughs) the first half is kind of in the dialogue. It's got that snappy, like you say, '50s era or something playwrighty, clever dialogue. I just love hearing those guys talk to each other. It's amusing to just listen to the conversations, and then it gets you know heavier as the movie goes on. It kind of becomes more of a horror movie. But I think like that, I like the tone of it. It's just got like this weirdness that I think, you know, in 1990, when people saw it, they're just like, I came here for the exorcist, damn it. And what the hell is this? <laughs> well, that was a, it, yeah. I mean, it's an arty horror film, right? That's, yeah. I guess, was I, I was going to ask because the original, I, I, I never, I never thought the original exorcist was anything like that, right? I mean, the, the original is like, you set up the exorcism and then you go into it. No, no, no. Oh. The yeah. beginning of the first Exorcist is pretty arty, right? Because that that yeah. one dude goes over to the Middle East, sees the statue of Satan yeah. and the dogs, and it's all like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like this domestic drama where you're just kind of watching the encroachment of like, what's wrong with the girl? We got to try, you know, science, and that fails us. And then we have to, so more, yeah, that science. Family. Like breaking apart or the family? Yeah, well, the family's already fractured. It's drama. And but also, it's written like, by this guy. I mean, well, so, I mean the dialogue yeah. is still, going... it's just not as funny. Like, this one's funny. Like, more laugh out loud yeah, funny there than there moments. Yeah. yeah, but it's still the same writer, so it's still, like, pretty, you know, good. But this one feels like a police drama, like a crime drama. Which I like that, too, right? Because, like you were saying, during it, like, it's raining outside, and there's all these, like, interior shots with flash... Or not flashlights, but, you know, like, diffused interior light, and it's like, you know, it feels like seven. And I was thinking about that, I'm like... Because I think I get a a long way off of, like, if you mix up supernatural uh, stuff or grisly stuff with the detective story, I think, like, I'm I'm all in, right? I think it's religion with the detective. Yeah, is it, right? Like, deliver us from evil or whatever the latest kind of thing that would be. But it's, you have characters explaining. In Seven, I mean. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's what it felt like, yeah, the. But you have, like, a lot of scenes where people are kind of... It's creating a theater of the mind where they're telling you, like, you know, we came into this room and we found this guy and he was in this condition and something horrible. And, you know, and you're putting it together in your head and they're like, that's fucking awful. They don't actually show it. It's just you're watching the actors react to hearing this news. You're picturing it in your head and you're watching these human beings, like, you know, deal with this... uh, you know, information, yeah. which Seven does too, right? When they're describing yeah. what John Doe's done, you never actually see him do it. You just hear about it mm-hmm. after the fact. Well, when, yeah, when the one priest dies in the hospital, you, they never even lift. You never see underneath the uh, the the sheets, right? The white sheet, but they describe it, and they it's brilliant the way they they reveal the blood on the table because you start the scene and you don't see any of that, and then as they go into it, they're like, "What's that?" And it's like that's his blood, and it's in all these little like basically these glasses. I feel like there would be more. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I think there would be a lot more. Wouldn't There's there? only like thirty-two, not even. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that the people who made this movie like measured. I don't know. I have I have no idea. Yeah. I'm sure we can find out. Well, he's, he Damien did say that he didn't get all of it. 
Yeah, like, but he only left perfect. a little. Yeah, he had to write on the wall. Just a little bit. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. yeah, why was there two L's, though? I thought they would explain that. They never did. I think that was just, they were trying to say, like, this is the M.O. of the, the Gemini killer. So that's what the movie, like, eventually, I mean, that's like the, you know... The the A story, the B story is the sequel to The Exorcist. The A story is like this Gemini killer who's patterned after the Zodiac. Uh, you know the real life Zodiac stuff. Travis has gone without speaking. It, well, it, well, just wait. <laughs> don't don't. But it uh, come up. <laughs> gonna, you see, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm Sorry. losing the thread. All right, Sorry. wait. Here it is. So the there's a series of killings plaguing uh, Georgetown, which remind everybody of this Zodiac or Gemini killer struck 15 years ago. And there's no way to explain this, right? It's like, because we never published any of this information in the press. Like nobody should know like this MO, but this MO is showing up again. So how is this possible? That's mystery number one. Yeah. Right. And then that ultimately leads us to like the connection to the exorcist and then to Father Karras, who was uh, in the so he was in the first movie and is now possessed by the Zodiac killer played by Brad Dorff. You asked if he won an, uh, an Oscar for this. I'm like, that's a goddamn good performance. It's really good. It's because he plays the whole thing in a straight jacket. Like, yeah. but when he's on the screen, it's like you know you're paying attention because he's just so fucking furious. Oh yeah, he was by far the best part of that movie. Yeah, he's he's yeah he like and it's just on his face. He's at least a supporting actor. I thought he would have gotten for this. It's they don't look at horror movies, Mm-mm. but that's the thing. I mean, it's stuff like but that. This where feels like bigger than you know, like you're like you're, and I'm using quotes here, horror movie, because that's how the Academy would look at it. But this feels like something that they might actually take serious. It's got George C. So. Scott in it, for Christ's sakes. I mean, you know. It does. <laughs> General Ripper, uh, well, they Patton. They take it seriously because the second one was so bad. Like, the Academy is not going to look at it. But if they saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they, they saw it, but I they I still think won't. these things always yeah. still come down to the idea that, like, horror is in some you know, uh, I was going to say kid stuff, but that's not the word. It's more like um, it's somehow disreputable, right? Like if you're working in horror, if you're making a horror movie, horror movies aren't, uh, you know, like the high drama. They're like, you know, below. It's like comedy and horror. I think we were talking on one of the podcasts before. They're like, you know, one step above porn in the respectability, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, category of Well, film that's why it was such a big deal when right. Melissa McCarthy was nominated for Bridesmaids, like, because comedy never gets nominated for anything either. Right, yeah. Oh, she was nominated? Yeah. Really? She was nominated for Best Supporting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The um, incredible. But, I mean, I like the cast. Or they got George C. Scott. Like, I don't know how the fuck they got him, but he's awesome. <laughs> uh, and then there's, like, all these other people. Now, when you watch the movie, you're seeing, like, Hey, is that Grandel Bush? That's the guy who is Special Agent Johnson in, in Die Hard. They've got Scott Wilson, who was in In Cold Blood, and then uh, he was recently Herschel on uh, The Walking Dead. They've got... Uh, Lorraine's dad from Back to the Future. Yes. Oh, shit. That's he were talking about. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, he's like one of the cops. Yeah. Yeah. It was like your age. I don't little, know his name, but... What are you doing out in the street bad. like that? You're right. That was what you were putting 100 bucks on. Yep. 
I don't think there's anybody in this movie under the age of 72. <laughs> I think that's the popularity of this movie. No, like, his did daughter. Not. Brad Dorif, his daughter, daughter is like 40. Okay, I gotta say, I'm not a fan oh, wait, of this wait, wait, movie. One more. Uh, did you ever see uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death? No, I haven't seen it. That was his wife, Zora Lampert. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, was was that her real voice? It was her real voice, I think, but it's like dubbed. For so yeah. She always seems like, dubbed. Yeah, I want you to sound more drugged. <laughs> yeah. the, or, uh, the sound in this movie is not good. I mean, it's... it's the rain it's, sounds pretty good. It's, 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 it's interesting. <laughs> rain on the window seal. <laughs> this movie... I but, get what you're saying, though, about the dubbed voice. Yeah, she's got, like, a well, dubbed... There, there's that, and when certain, like, when George C. Scott talks at times, like, you can tell that they're, they're boosting the levels because you get everything else, like, all the noise in the room. Yeah. It comes with it. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, like, a perfectly ambient room, and then it's, like, when he talks, it's, like, shh, shh. And then it goes back, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're getting like the live sound. Because I've done that. that. I yeah. know. I know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's then they not, were doing like yeah. a weird thing to well, Brad Dorif's voice to make him seem like, demonic. I, I wouldn't notice. That. Right. That's yeah. just the 1980s. Yeah. Like, hello there. I'm the devil. Yeah. Well, they were speed <laughs> rapping. <his> voice, <laughs> you know? Did you notice he got like high pitch too? They went like on the low, out the low end, and the high pitch. I kind of like that. That they they like pitch shifted his voice. Pitch shift. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I, I, I did like that stuff. I mean, and I think that I think the sound editing was creative, but I think that a lot of it was uh, <laughs> poorly executed. <laughs> you can watch this Exorcist three and Godfather three together. <laughs> like, hey, whoa, oh, I like yeah. both of those movies. Oh, come on! <laughs> so you like the? I don't know. I just think this movie's a little. I mean. I like the concept of this movie. I think this actual movie is a little bit of a train wreck, I think. I do. Because you got, like, an artistic idea, an artistic editor, an arti- but it's like yeah. s- the images aren't really getting across. A lot of times you're like, what? Huh? I don't, I don't, see, I don't know. I'm just going to talk like this. A co- the first time I saw it, I totally got this movie. Did you guys well, get this? I movie? got this it? movie. Right. It's not confusing. Well, then what do you mean? It's just not a great movie. It's just not. I, I, just, I beg to differ, sir. It's a great fucking movie. So I okay. Done so that. I take I take like a couple End of, of steps back argument. because it's got some flaws. The woman crawling across. There's a special effect. Of I a, love that. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that I in the theater, it. people laughed. So Did they like, really? yeah, I, it yeah, took me out ridiculous. of the moment. <laughs> it no. took me out of the movie. This movie isn't dramatic looking. This movie, the whole movie, is really bland looking. It's not. It's an artistic movie, but it's not photo fucking like. It's not a, like a beautiful movie at all. It's just doesn't. Every image doesn't look that great. It's it's made but to would, be that. Would you way. say that Seven is a good looking movie? It's mm. made to be a kind of a grungy looking movie. I mean, this yeah, is the but proto it's not Seven. seven. Right? Yeah. It's not. But it's like before, it's that. before it's very, Seven or the X Files started doing that. All all the lighting is like all the lights on. Turn all the lights on. Turn that one off. All right, we're good. Well, not, I don't know. I mean, in the cell, I like the idea, like you were saying, I think where, like, you had the light coming in and in the fog or the mm. whatever, the mist. It's yeah. it's very, that was kind of cool because they had this wide shot where it was Damien. It's Damien, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're calling it. And George C. Scott and the lights, like, shining on both their heads. And they're both, like, framed up perfectly. It's almost like a Wes Anderson 
shot not right. quite as yeah. meticulous. But, I mean, that was yeah. a. But I think that's you know, what he's trying to go they had for. Stark he's going contrast, for, but he's going for yeah. those clean shots, like a Kubrickian kind of. Not, it's a obviously not yes. Kubrick, but you know, there he's because the colors for, like, aren't there. Photography, the shots colors aren't there. And composition, There's, yeah. It's just a bland looking movie to me. It, it just looks like eh. it's a horror movie. I, I mean, I like it because of, I think the photography is fine for what they're trying to accomplish. I can tell, like, spatially where everything's at. It's telling me a story. The editing, I think, was unusual but cool that they would cut, you know, like at, uh, you it's know. It's almost like, like the end of a chapter or something. It's like, it's the holy shit moment. If it was a TV show, that would be the end of the episode. But Boom. how many times yeah. do you do that in one move? You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it, it's, was it, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. That's his style. But his style. This guy's made what two movies? He's made. Two he's movies. a fucking. I mean, he's a. He is a novelist. Uh, his other movie was called The Ninth Configuration. I think it, it has Stephen King directed a movie. The Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. That's what happens when novelists direct their own movie. I don't think novelists should direct a movie. I would disagree. I mean, I think that it's an original, unique. It's surprising. It's, it's very. It's it's a. It was surprising. I didn't expect it. I expected another girl in a bed with her head spinning around. And then, like when we started watching it, I was like, "Oh, this is a, this is a police crime drama that we're watching." And then as the as it more and more unfolded, and once we got to the carp story, I was like, "Oh, this that that carp story." Like the fact that the camera never, you know, maybe it pushes in. But it just stays on that. That was the first the five minutes, though, right? I mean, it was pretty early on, but <laughs> I, so. I thought it was unique. Like, it was something that I hadn't seen in another film, which was interesting. It intrigued me. And I, I would like to see more of that. And I think that that's, you know, like, as I was watching it, I was hoping that I would get more of that in the film. And I think that you definitely do. I mean, I think it's, I think there's two brilliant performances in this. Dare I say, George C. Scott. Dare I say? And obviously, Dare I that. Say. <laughs> everyone loves Jorcy Scott. We've well, got that across in this fucking. But I'm a you magnificent bastard. I've read your book. The, the only Pat reason I say that is because I, I think it's I think it's like is it Jack Nicholson or Jack Nicholas? I never know. Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I think that it's like everything that he does it's like just jack being jack right and i think it's george c scott just being george c scott well the guy's like a fucking presence like anything you put i mean like he's one of those guys that has like down under exactly rescuers (laughs) down under or firestarter or you know dr strangelove or anything you put him in he's just like i mean he's a physical presence i guess because he's large you know on the screen but he just the changeling also great fucking movie but i mean he just like commands your attention i suppose that's why you cast him as a general He's got that, you know, weight. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's patent, magnificent. Right? He's patent. Yeah, when he this yells at you, movie. you listen. But I mean, it, you know, I mean, I guess that's why you cast him in that part. The yeah. other performance yeah, you're going to say like is like Brad Dorf. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the other performance. I can't be in this podcast because this is just, we love this movie, and I don't fucking like this movie. It wasn't that great of a movie. You say you were hoping it wasn't just a girl in the bag. Well, it kind of was. Just another, ah, we get the idea that, okay, so the first priest that fell down these stairs in part one, the fact he he's dying, and then Satan takes the Gemini killer who was being executed that night, right? That same night. Yeah. And slips him into the priest's body. Right. To continue. Well, I don't even know why, really, because... He explained it. Well, but once he's in the dude's body... All he does is go out and possess other bodies. Why does Satan need to do that? Or why does he need to even... 
I don't get. Well, that. it's a concept. Like, have you seen Fallen? Yeah, fall. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking oh. of Fallen during this movie. But it's just I don't know. I just I mean I get it. But it, it is just kind of another girl in the bed. Oh, you know. I mean, they're creating a little bit more of a. Uh, what like a character i guess to be inside it's not satan it's captain or it's not cap howdy satan it's it was it supposed to be satan in the first one right was cap howdy it, but i mean you're it's either the demon panzu but that comes out in the second one pazuzu i think oh yeah that, like the dog-faced demon <laughs> sculpture or whatever that they find in iraq but I think that there is more to this movie. It is setting up a circumstance, right? I mean, I, I think about what I said earlier. They're trying to set up a circumstance where it's like you cannot rationally explain any of this stuff that I'm giving to you. And you are, I mean, I guess that's what The Exorcist does. So maybe that's what you're, you know, kind of where you're right. Is The Exorcist gives you a supernatural cir- a circumstance that you have to prove through, like, your, you know, human methodology and logic and reason. And when you can't hit that wall, and it's like there is no other explanation but for this. But they did that in the first, that's what I'm saying. This is like, to me, it's a it's a useless sequel. They did that in the first one. They show a guy that's kind of doubting his faith, blah, 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 blah. But in this one, they, I mean, at first I was a little, like, uh, appreciative that I was like, oh, I thought since it's the 90s, they're going to go ahead and go for the gore, the eight, Exorcist needs to be, you know, Exorcist is, I think, only held to the, its regards for the gore, right? It, it was one of the first big special effect horror movies that looked fucking great, so... And it just scared the shit out of everybody. So I thought this movie was going to really leap at the whole, you know, let's show as much kind of gruesome shit as we can. They really didn't until that other father guy comes yeah. in and yeah. he like can barely even get out like uh, the power of Christ. Oh, and he gets like whipped up to the ceiling and he yeah. gets his skin ripped off. And I'm like, yeah. holy fuck. All right, well, I got two things to say about that. Number one, I appreciate the fact that this movie uses taste and restraint and is kind of, you know, doesn't have to go with all the gore effects and all that, at least up front, right? That it is like everybody else is rushing to do, like, you know, some kind of something that would be more hopped up. I mean, when you look at Rennie Harlan's Exorcist 4, I can't remember what the subtitle of it was. Oblivion. I don't know. It's like Dominion or something, but that's the Dominion. original one. Like they shot that the one beginning. Twice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the beginning. Yeah, it is. It's Exorcist. The beginning. It's always the beginning. Yeah, that one's one of those like big flashy things that you're just like, I'm just not involved in this at all because it's so like removed from the human experience. Where this one, I think, brings it down again to that human level of drama, which I think is what's more engaging. Two. Uh, the whole okay, so they do call in an exorcist named Father Morning at some point who just shows up in the plot. It is explained that he is the chaplain or something over at the uh, hospital and that he did an exorcism once, and so somehow he just knows the evil is afoot and he shows up and conducts an exorcism. Would it surprise you to learn that the novel and the original? version of this movie didn't have an exorcism scene in it. There was no Father Morning. Whoa. They just thought they had to put it in there because of the title of the movie? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a story behind this which is kind of amusing, but they're like, you know, he wanted to make, uh, William Peter Blatty wanted to make Legion, so he finally got to make Legion. The studio wants to call it Exorcist 3. He's like, don't call it Exorcist 3. No shit. And so they called it Exorcist 3, then some secretary to Joe Roth, the guy who was head at Morgan Creek, like, was like, it's called The Exorcist, but 
there's no exorcism in it. So they went back and William Peter Blatty wrote and directed the scenes with Father Morning in the exorcism sequence. You got to have an exorcism in your exorcism movie. And then when the movie didn't perform well at the box office, they're like, you know what the problem was? Because it was called The Exorcist and Exorcist 2. Nobody wanted to see it. And he's like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I told you this at the beginning. <clears throat> but yeah, and apparently the original version. <clears throat> Doesn't exist because Morgan Creek's also the people who lost all the Nightbreed footage. Oh, yeah. So they lost the Oh, so they still have it. They're just yeah, like, we'll wait for the fans to scream for it. it and well, nobody's looking benefit. for it. Exactly. It's out there somewhere in a bin somewhere. But Dude. the original book ended with, like, the, the Gemini killer's motivation was to keep shaming his father because his father was an evangelist. So the Gemini, because being the son of a famous televangelist, like, you know, he's a killer, yeah. would embarrass the dad. So that's why it's like, it's important, Lieutenant. You got to tell people that this is the Gemini killings again. And then uh, the father in the book uh, dies, like, for some reason. I can't remember and why. And because of that, the Gemini killer, like, he, he just dies, like, in the cell. Oh, really? And I think in the movie that they shot, they modified it a little bit. I think there were some flashbacks or something showing, like, you know, what Brad Dorif's childhood was like or something like that. And in uh, this movie? Yeah, the original version. Oh. The, the original ending. <clears throat> so, like, when the father dies, and uh, I think there's still an opportunity for Kinderman to, to shoot him. Yeah. And then, so they shoot kinda, me now. They mixed those together now. and gave you yeah. the special effects ending, which. I still like those special effects. I mean, I like that kind of vision of, you know, yeah. the demon-possessed dude with the fiery eyes and the fire and the, you know, all that stuff. Like, that works on me. Like, I'm like, this is cool. This is the exorcism moment that I guess you never really got out of the first exorcist. Yeah. <clears throat> what are you talking about? That's all the first exorcist was, was close-ups of fiery eyes. <laughs> no, I know, but, like, not the, you know, this was this was the more, and I, I know I'm saying, like, you know, I don't like it when they amp shit up, but it's like the amped-up version. But for some reason, to me, it works in this one. I'm okay with it because of the restraint that was shown up until that point. It builds to that moment, and then it's like we just kind of unleash it all right there in the climax, and then we're out. What year was the first 74, 73. So there's this scene that scared the living shit out of me when I saw it in 1990. You know, it's like I I watch a fuckload of horror movies. There's stuff trying to make you jump all the goddamn time. And, you know, a lot of times that doesn't work on me because I've seen so many of them. But when I saw this, it was an actual moment of, like, horror. I I felt the, you know, hair stand up in the back of my neck and kind of stuff. And, like, you know, you felt uneasy afterwards. I'm like, oh, shit, if this is what they're doing halfway through the movie, they're building to something at the end, which, you know, unfortunately hits its high moment (laughs) there. Yes. But I think that's a brilliantly directed scene that, like, you know, I mean, just the way that it's set up and everything, the suspense leading up to it and that final moment. When that thing comes out of the, uh, you know, out of the room with the hedge clippers or whatever, that it's just been explained to you in the previous scene, like how dangerous these things are. It's it's very it's like perfectly edited, like the way that it cuts as she, I, it's a person coming out of the room, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like supposed it, to be like because uh, you only get like half a second of the actual visual, yeah, and then it cuts away. And it doesn't come back. But, right. I mean, it's like the leading up to it, the uh, the suspense that's built is like, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's yeah, because uh, being the first time 
having this be the first time that I've seen the film, uh, seeing that scene, like that stands out to me as like, like you said, it's, it's like genuinely terrifying. Well, just cause it it's, takes its time. I think getting there, it's like early on, it's comical though, because they, like when she goes, she goes into a patient's room and it's one of those, those scare moments that only happens in movies, kind of like evil dead where she could see that dude on the bed. Right, he, like yeah. he jumps up. He's like, "Hey, why are you waking me up?" You know, like he's he scares her, but it's only because he's scaring the audience. Because there's like the, the like the footboard to the bed that he's. That's not cheap. Behind. That wasn't a cheap scare. I thought it, it was well, cheap. no, I I, th- I thought it was cheap yeah. too. That's, but that's its intention. I think but, in the construction. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, they're they're easing you into this. Like the the payoff is so much better than that scare. That like you know five minutes later when it happens you're not ready for it. I think that I, I think that they're they're pulling the wool over your eyes or pulling the rug out from underneath you. Well, that's kind of the point of that construction, right? It's like I mean, because now you know when I watch it, I'm like, what are they doing here? So you don't lose interest in the scene, you know? It's like we know that you know the camera stays back. Yeah, I mean, it still it still cuts away. It's all from the same angle, but there's like a couple of cuts in, but it yeah. goes from like you know. She hears the noise and comes up, so it's like, ooh, this is when she's going to get it. She goes into well, the room. Let's talk. Can I talk about what the noise is? It's melting glass. <laughs> I mean, that's how melting ice, melting ice. Uh, yeah, melting fucking ice. That's what she hears. She hears the clink, clink. Yeah, and then yeah. I thought that's a little far fetched. I'm sorry. I'm not just trying to rag dude. on everything in this movie, but it's like, dude, I'm like. It's the She's devil. fucking 30... Yeah, right. It has to be it's the it's, daredevil hearing. It's the devil's melting ice. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, there's an echo or something. Why I didn't wake the guy in the office up? I don't know. I mean, it's for the effect of, I think, like getting her into the room. We expect that something's going to happen. The guy jumps up. You're like, ah, fake scare, right? Get her back out into the hallway. And then there's dialogue with the uh, cops. Yeah. And she hears something in the other room, and I think it cuts away to her <laughs> point of view, and then it's the room that Father Dyer died in. So you're already like, ooh, there's something, you know. And then just the way that they shot it, like, you're unexpect- it's, it's unexpected. It's that zoom in. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I fucking actually disagree with everything you guys said about this scene. Like, I fucking think I thought it was boring. I don't like that fake scare. I thought it was stupid. But the zoom in, that's what gets you. Because yeah. you're not expecting the yeah. whoop. Yeah. You're not expecting that. Because it don't even look like a zoom in. It looks like an artificial zoom in, right? It's a... Well, that's a like, like a, an edited zoom in, quick, right? Like it's not a pushing with the or whatever. Was it a camera? You think it was actually in camera? I thought it was in editing that zoom in. Uh, I wouldn't think they had digital. Probably in ninety. Yeah, I mean they did have the digital effect like on the end, but I'm guessing that was like it wasn't trucking. But they that did was that shit in the seventies, zoom. yeah. zooming yeah, into it, a it's frame. Like a, yeah, but that's a camera zoom. I think. I don't know. But, but I think that the, I think the that fake was, scare <laughs> that helps that scene started. out. I think if you don't have this fake scare, but it was such an absurd fake scare. It looks like. It looks like bad filmmaking. Like that's what I'm th- saying. It doesn't seem like a fake scare. It seems like bad filmmaking. Like it was supposed to be. Yeah, even though it's a fake scare, you even hope your fake scares are real scares, right? I mean, that's what you're hoping for, right? As a as a horror filmmaker, even your fakers are still supposed to be real scares. They're just not something that's actually uh, threatening, right? 
Well, I mean, if anybody jumped at it, then that would mean it's a real scare, right? I mean, it yeah. does the whole like. I mean, loud if they noise did, and- I just like I said, I just I thought it was kind of badly shot because if you notice, like a lot of things seem like like how close the door was to the bed to you know what I'm saying. It seemed like they had to set up a lot. Of, like the room seemed way more smaller than the other rooms. It seems like they really had to push a lot of shit into the scene to make it in correct well, composition or whatever for the scare, yeah. but it seemed off as fuck. I would agree with that, but I think that it was it was so intentional because you weren't expecting. They didn't want you to expect what was going to come. Like the payoff was the payoff was so terrifying that everything leading up to it was almost almost comical. I get it. They were really trying to play with perspective in the camera <laughs> and whatnot. But I just think you could really see here's the door. Here's the bedside table. Here's it seemed like everything was like within two feet of everything, you know, yeah. just because they had to have everything. Well, there's also a question you why know, a patient, if that was a patient, was sleeping in what looked like a pew or something uh, like that. It, 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 it was, was like a baby or, fucking yeah. uh, crib or yeah. something. So like I'm not that. sure. All right, I, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was. I mean, I like but yeah, I, mean, I get the pushing down the hallway. All good. But, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm sorry, I'll, okay. I'll let you talk, but uh, I'm going to let you finish. Uh, the, like I don't remember the zoom. Yeah, yeah. Like when I when I think about that scene, I just feel like the camera just sat back in the hallway and like I, I think of it as like a lady in a, like a white robe came out with the. Dude, you don't remember she came out and fucking like, went zoomed. Yeah, no, I, I don't remember it's, that. It yeah. was scary. All of a sudden, yeah, it's like it's one of those things. I think why it works and why you know it's like one of the greatest fucking horror scenes I've ever seen is because you're like. Horror to me is more effective when you're like witnessing something at a distance. This is like the way you see shit happen horribly in real life. Someone steps off of a curb and gets hit by a car. You're not like right up, hopefully, on top of it when it happens. You see it from across the street. That's why I think like uh, Schindler's List did some great stuff with that where like it just felt like awful when you're watching uh, Ray Fine's character going down the row and shooting people in the back of the head, you know, from a distance. Your your perspective, your perspective. not pers- your perspective, uh, no. your point of view. When you're observing it from afar, whatever. So, that's <laughs> observer. A, that's a perspective. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's not the word I was looking for. But whatever. <laughs> so when you have the, uh, you know, the same thing, it's like you're kind of watching this unfold in front of you. You know, the fact that that snap zoom, like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, it's something that you don't want to be close to and it's bringing you're in, you like you're right un, up. You're not in it. control so of you're it. Like, ah, you know, and it adds psycho, you know, psychologically or subliminally to the effect Dude, of it. I gotta say, I, I mean, I fucking hate this movie, but that scene was off. I like, I will totally, totally yeah. be down with that. Like, it was that zoom in. That shit kills me because yeah, you're Did sitting it give there. Give you the uh, the hair. In the it does. Well, it yeah. gave. It, I mean, I get more of the eye joke. Jenny had the eyes because uh, that's the one thing eyes. that to me it feels like it feels like Italian filmmaking or something like that, right? It feels like if I was thinking that, like when the first guy got, I was like, he got his head cut off. I was like, oh, this should have been like Argento or something. If only Argento directed like the fucking uh, the B unit or whatever on the death scenes, man, that would have made. This movie, Exorcist, with the actual like hairy arm fucking death scenes of people, <laughs> that would have been so scary. Because I think that scene where it does fucking jolt you down the hallway, it just reminds me of that sort of like 
I don't know. It just reminds me of that sort of Italian horror filmmaking where because you had that weird green light where there's that green light coming in the from the room or in the hallway or something like that. So automatically, that's the eerie light, right? Green is the eerie light. Notorious, like Fulci and stuff like that would always use the snap zoom. But I mean, they use that in like all the kung fu movies ever made. But that's what I'm saying. It just reminds. It's not something you've seen a lot of American horror. It's something that's a full. We don't use zooms anymore. We're afraid of it. Right now. Now they Something. use it, I guess, in, in digital stuff. Or Quentin like, Tarantino does yeah. it in retro. Wide shot of like bombers coming in, <laughs> and you do a snap flying. zoom yeah. to yeah, Superman flying. Yeah, well, snap zoom to see Superman up there. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, but also, they don't do it for real, right? They just yeah, they do, don't it do it in the CG. I still yeah. feel like that was editing, but whatever. I could yeah. be wrong. Because <laughs> I think can you, uh, anyway. <laughs> That's I guess a discussion for off the year, <laughs> but. uh... <laughs> We'll but dive I guess, into it. yeah. I don't, Other I, than that, the monologues by Brad Dorf. That's all, the only things I fucking loved about this movie. I, I was talking to these I did one guys of those in theater class once. I freaked out my entire class. They're like, like okay, yeah. Colin, really? Over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. I want to hear more about this monologue class. It was a high school theater class, and I said, yeah. of course, had seen The Exorcist, and was like, "Oh, this is a fucking." Aw-. And it's this like is a this great model. Long, well, it was because like how many movies could you pick out like a moment where somebody had like this long interrupted? Well, this yeah. movie you had to pick, is like a five minute monologue, and I'm like, every other movie's edited so that the characters are only on screen for like two minutes at a time or whatever. And this one had a guy sitting there in one voice, right? Like it was no the devil, like just <laughs> talking, you know, for like five minutes. I'm like, I'm using the goddamn Exorcist. Three that's times. the only. That's another thing I think is what really sets this movie. That's awesome. Like I said, as as much as I don't fucking like this movie, the things I do like about it are I do like the weird Satan narration. I'm calling it like I, I guess that's supposed to be the Gemini killer, but it still sounds more like Satan, right? No, that's the devil. That's yeah, the devil because yeah. it's always my son, the Gemini. Yeah, and Colleen Dewhurst, who did the voice, was uh, George C. Scott's ex-wife. Crazy, Boom. really? Yeah, and uh, the only thing I can think of that I've seen her in that I remember—I mean, she was in a lot of TV and stuff, Anna Green Gables, and, but she was in the Dead Zone. She was the sheriff. The, well, the yeah, the sheriff. sheriff. Was his mother. Crazy in the Dead Zone. All right. Anyway. Well, like ten years ago, I got into this. Uh, I want to say they're a Switzerland black metal band called Children of Bodom, and they had most a, wait a Swiss- Children of Bodom. I want to no, say no, they're no. from Switzerland, no, no, no. a Switzerland black metal band. Switzerland. That's where all the black metal comes from: is Sweden, Switzerland, Finland. Oh yeah, dude. But uh, they used a lot of the monologue in this for, I want to say, their album Follow the Reaper. This has some satanic fucking moments. Like I said, it's all in the dialogue. It's all in the monologue. It's all in the really deep, like, what what does he say in the first part of when it first shows him in the... Uh, in the cell. Oh, he's quoting a verse of the Bible. Uh, yeah, it's like, take not, or, or, shit, I can't think of what it is. Death yeah, be fuck. not proud. Yeah, for, death be yeah. not proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember that. As soon as he starts saying, I was like, holy fuck! I love finding parts of movies from metal albums I've heard from over the years. That's always really exciting. You're like, oh, shit! I know this part. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> See, I go the other way. It's like, I've seen those movies, and it's like, oh, they're, no, I'm kidding. I hear Rob Zombie shit all the time. I'm like, what the fuck is that from? And then you see the exactly, Rob Zombie. Frankenstein, and you're like, 
Holy shit, that's the trailer from Lady Frankenstein. Well, originally, we talked when we reviewed our Yurisuka Doji, Rob's, uh, our white zombie in one of their albums had a sound clip from the end of Yurisuka Doji that's really fun. I remember when I ran into that, I was like, oh, holy shit, how special. It's like a special little Easter egg in life when you're like, I've heard this so many times before fucking rocking out or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean,. His fucking monologues are just... I mean, that is the heart of this movie to me. They build a picture. They build a picture of, like, what, like, true evil is in a weird way, you know? They're just like, holy fuck, I'm gonna kill my mother. In many ways, I prefer this to The Exorcist. Now, I'm not saying that I think it's better than The Exorcist, right? You're so quick on the draw. Well, The Exorcist is one of those movies we talk about. It's like whenever you go through like one of the top five horror movies of all time, it's in the running with The Shining, The the Halloween, Psycho, It's got to be the only horror movie in the AFI Top 100, right? Except for like maybe Jaws, right? Psycho? Is Psycho? And I, Maybe. It's got to be... But what I'm saying, one of the yeah, only one horror of the, movies yeah. to be in the AFI, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. But, you know, it's the they will view movie. that as a film. It's not just a horror movie. Right, know, yeah. yeah. But I think that's kind of why this one gets, uh, you know, I think it's deserving of a reappraisal because I think the only people who remember this movie are horror people where it's like it's not really for them, you know? It's like... Uh, it's like an adult psychological police drama yeah, yeah, supernatural dude. thing. <laughs> you know? And I think, well, here's the problem with the, uh, you know, the perception of the movie, right? The Exorcist 2 was such a fucking horrible, awful, atrocious piece of shit, right? So many years went by before they're like, you know, William P- Peter Blatty was trying to get this off the ground, right? And everybody's like, no, 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 no. So he wrote the no, book no, no, no. Legion, right? And then they're like, Hey, we should make that into a movie. He's like, I was trying to give you the script. I made the script into a novel. Now I'm going to make it back into it. So John Carpenter was going to direct this. Oh, at one really? Point. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this went up. through like development <laughs> hell for a while. And then they finally made it. But I think it would have been cooler if it was like Prometheus, where Prometheus is a sequel to a prequel to Alien, but it's not called like Alien the prequel, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah. If you would have like, just called this Legion, like the last, and you went to see it, and then it became, you know, oh, oh my God, this is like a ties into the Exorcist. You yeah. know, it would have had more like how impact. the horror show is House Three. But no one knows it's house three. You're just walking around going, why is there a house two and a house four? <laughs> but Right, no house three. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it would have, because your expectation is set. You know, you're listen, You're waiting for, like, you know, demonic little girls spinning heads around, shooting pieces. Well, you're like. And you're uh, not getting that from this movie. No. But I tell you what, you're also not getting from this movie, in my opinion, is you're not getting the idea that these were the guys from part one. It's like, there's not that connecting little piece. Like, Cause the it, actors have all been recast. Well, the actors have been recast, but they also don't necessarily reiterate the fact yeah. that Regan, Captain Howdy or whatever fuck, they just don't necessarily go back and like, remember we were in the bedroom. But I, I kind of like that. I mean, but it's so easy to go back and say, Hey, look at this. You just mentioned something from the first one, and all of a sudden you're super clever for tying it in. To no, the but sometimes it, oh, it like, okay, because I mean, okay, I, I'm a, I would consider myself a fucking huge horror fan more than most, but I've never seen Exorcist 3. This is my very first time viewing Exorcist 3. Just Me be, too. You know, never been so much of a fan. And possibly uh, Jenny's first time. I think it is. But to I me. I thought I had seen it, but I don't think I have. 
You know, I had to I keep kind of like asking Colin, like, that guy's from part one? <laughs> you know, yeah. that guy's from part one because I had to, you know, I mean, shit, it's been probably, I was actually going to text you, like, do I need to watch part one before I watch this? I mean, it would probably, it freshens thing up, things up in your mind. But Just the, the connection, names. the connect, yeah, because Lieutenant Kinderman is in the original, but he's played and, by Jay Lee Cobb in the original, and he's uh, George C. Scott in this. Yeah, I want to trade out George C. Scott for anything. I mean, yeah, I, I know. That, yeah. That's, that's a great casting. I mean, I don't. I, I. I. Okay. I haven't seen the first one, but what? you haven't seen The Exorcist. <laughs> it, it had to come out. At some point. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. I, this man just watched a third sequel. Yeah. Now you're like, I don't know I who did. any of these people. I'm terrified are. of horror movies, and I've seen The Exorcist. Yeah, I know. I. I Everybody should see The Exorcist. All right. So you want to get a hold of us? Uh, reach out on facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. You can email us for Saturday Night Freak Show at yahoo.com or you can get us on Twitter at Sat Freak Show and uh, leave us a comment. We'll read your comment on air. And until next week, the basement is going dark. <laughs>